If you've got a few minutes to spare, the good news is you're tuned in to The Wrap. For the last day of June this year, this is The Wrap, Australia's fastest serving of technology delivered right to your ears. And this week that serving comes with good news and bad news, because a lot has happened and it's kind of divided. Let's start with the bad news because it's always good to get the bad out of the way so we can end on a bit of a high note. First, there's trouble in paradise if you normally approach the internet with your head in the sand, with the ostrich move rarely a good thing to do, especially when there are so many dangers lurking. Let's just be clear, you don't need to be afraid of the internet, but it's good to approach emails and websites with a hint of suspicion and a touch of trepidation, and this week more so than ever, because there's a new security exploit out, and boy is it a doozy. Called Petcha, it's a piece of ransomware that is less about ransoming your files and more about destroying them, trashing and replacing your computer's master boot record, making it very difficult to not only find your operating system, but potentially find files on your computer as well. This is different from your regular run-of-the-mill piece of ransomware too, because while they're still bad when they lock up files you like and don't unlock them until you pay that ransom, hence the name, Petcha is more about destroying your computer than asking you to pay up, though variants may actually do that as well. While we've heard it initially targeted Europe, Petcha has managed to break free, making its way to Australia and America and turning it into a serious threat. In fact, the security whiz kids at Kaspersky Labs told Picker that ransomware threats shouldn't be taken lightly in Australia because our country has amongst the highest ransomware statistics last year, telling us that on a scale of 1 to 10, the danger level involved in a ransomware attack is 11. That's a pretty serious issue, and so with this thing spreading over email, you're advised to check through those emails carefully and don't open attachments unless you know what they are and who sent them. Oh, and make sure you get some internet security on your computer because that's obviously the first actual line of defense, followed by the education of not clicking and downloading what you don't need. Now, Petcha is one bit of bad news, and there's also one other, because if you use Pandora's online customizable radio service in Australia, you won't be for much longer. This week, Pandora Australia announced that it would be pulling the plug on local operations, shutting up shop today, and shuttering the service for Australians in the coming weeks. That's bad news if you're one of the million or so Aussies who relied on a digital radio service, one of the first of its kind that allowed you to shape a radio station based on your own musical preferences, simply by starting with an artist, a song, or a style, and hitting thumbs up or thumbs down on tracks you liked or maybe didn't. In a few weeks, though, it may not matter. While Pandora wouldn't return our request for comment on what Australian subscribers will be able to do, the company did tell us it was focusing on its business in the United States and would wind down its service for local listeners shortly. That means if you do subscribe, you might want to try out a different service in Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, Tidal, something else really, because when August comes, you might be lucky enough to still be connected to Pandora, but it wouldn't surprise us to see a geoblock go into action like it did from 2007 to 2013. So you've had your bad news, so let's get stuck into the good news. And this week, the news is good as the old phone makers are coming to life and returning to Australia. First up, there's Motorola, a name that practically means mobile phones in this country. In truth, Motorola has been around for a while, but this week the Halo Moto StarTech and Razer brand has a few more varieties launching. First, there's the new Moto Z2 Play, a not-quite-flagship that offers a super-thin 5.9mm thickness and yet manages to still keep the 3.5mm headset jack, providing a 5.5-inch Full HD screen, 64GB storage, a microSD slot, and a 3000mAh all-day battery. The big deal with the Z2 Play isn't the specs or how thin it is, it's the Moto Mods, Motorola's accessories that snap onto the back of the phone, just like they did with last year's Moto Z and Moto Z Play. 
priced at $699, it comes across as a high-end mid-range phone or a well-priced high-end phone, because they're hard to find these days. And it's not the only model Motorola is releasing. Two other models are on the way, a Moto C and a Moto E, delivering phones for $149 and $249, essentially getting more into budget phones the company has in ages. In fact, the Moto C is the one that interests us most, getting an Android 7 smartphone down to a $149 price point at the expense of the screen. That makes the Moto C feel like it's perfectly skewed to kids and seniors, or just really anyone who doesn't necessarily need the best of the best of the best and just wants a phone. You know, you know those sorts of people, we all know someone like that. Now finally there's Nokia, you remember them right? The company that probably made your first phone, unless you're so young that an iPhone was your first, you lucky person, you. If you had a Nokia first, it was probably one of the popular ones, a 5110, a 6110, a 3310, or an 8110 or 8210. Maybe you even had something with a 50 in the name, or you had an N-Gage, you know what we're talking about. Well, Nokia is back under ownership of HMD Global, a new Finnish company that aims to keep the Nokia name going. Australia will even see some of those new Nokia phones, with three specifically hitting market shortly, though they're different from the colourful button-based feature phones we've seen from the company in the past. Instead, the Nokia 3, Nokia 5 and Nokia 6 are touchscreen phones made for a different market, specifically that of budget and mid-range. The phones appear to offer exactly the sort of mid-range specs we'd expect, but in 5, 5.2 and 5.5 inch displays. And Nokia is keeping Android the way Google says it should, making Nokia very similar to Motorola in that regard. It's kind of surreal actually, because both Motorola and Nokia are kind of doing the same thing in the mid-range and budget categories, but they're also probably the oldest of all the phone companies you can find. It's a little surprising, hopefully it allows both of them to pave the way for something more grand and more substantial. I'll tell you what though, that grand future is definitely coming, with one of the biggest mobile chip makers, Qualcomm, this week showing off a new fingerprint sensor that works inside the glass. It's like a taste of the future. This new sensor will basically mean you merely have to touch the screen with your finger and the phone will unlock almost like something right out of the future. It's a pretty special technology, feels like it's come out of science fiction, and it's coming, expected to be in phones next year. Maybe Motorola and Nokia will have it. We guess we'll find out in 2018, and we can't wait. But we'll have to try to wait, because we're out of time, and here we are without a time machine. We'll be back next time, provided nothing major happens to stop us from recording, so you can expect more news and even a review in the tiniest of times. Until then, have a great week! 